0: Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America College Podcast, sponsored, like all college baseball content, at BaseballAmerica.com by Louisville Slugger. Power in numbers. I'm Teddy Cahill. We've got Mike Linana here. Uh, We're going to talk some college baseball. Uh, we got a new Top 25 this week. The top of it looks a lot like last week's. Uh, we went with the the top six remained the same this week. Uh, but, Mike, there's some, uh, there's some changes in the back half, and there's a, some significant drops. Um, you know, Florida State was 24 last week. They were right on the cusp, and now they are out after losing a series at North Carolina State. This is the first time Florida State has not been ranked in the top 25 since April 13, 2009. Also dropping out Florida Gulf Coast and
1: Maryland. Yeah, you know, it is a, a bit shocking to, to pull up the, the college top 25 this morning on BaseballAmerica.com and to not see Florida State there because, like you said, it's been eight years since they haven't been ranked for us. And But, I mean, really, I mean, they forced our hand. They gave us no choice. You look at their resume, you know, they were on shaky ground coming into this week You know because they really don't have a series win that they can hang their hat on and they've they've struggled. You know, they're a team that we obviously we didn't expect them to struggle with. They were our number 2 team coming into this year, a talented team, but for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to put the pieces together. And I know you saw them this weekend at NC State. What were your impressions of the Seminoles?
2: Well, you know, on Friday night, they went out and they won 16-7. to And NC State coach Elliot Avent on Sunday would say they basically got boat raced. And uh, they kind of did. Uh, Florida State went out. They swung the bats really well. They uh, had this incredible—it was a close game for six innings. And then in the seventh, Florida State absolutely broke a wide open. Um, but, you know, they kind of showed the, the potential. The Cole Sands uh, pitched well. Uh, starting the game, and then the bats got going, and you kind of felt like you know they'd won these two games against Gulf Coast midweek, um, you know, to to bounce back from last week's sweep against North Carolina. Kind of felt like, well, maybe maybe Florida State's gotten it together. Maybe that they got the wake up call, uh, you know, and they're they're going to be they're, they're going to be the closer to the team that that we expected them to be, but then on uh on saturday they have tyler holton going out and he's statistically been their best pitcher this season he hadn't lost before uh you know he'd thrown seven no-hit innings the week before against north carolina a very good hitting team uh and you know they weren't he wasn't quite at his best he didn't quite have his best command and nc state made him pay a little bit and and they hung on for a 4-3 win and then on sunday they just jumped out jumped right out in the first inning on, on drew parish and, and got a lead and and they made it hold up they they scored four runs in that first inning and uh, you know they won by four runs and all four of those runs in the first inning interestingly came with two outs uh, you know florida state just wasn't able to finish that inning and and it cost them in the end and ultimately you know i florida state is a team that you know, is really scuffling right now. Like you said, they don't really have a marquee win, and um, you know, they're 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 searching for it, they're fighting for it, and and they're banged up. Um, you know, they got Drew Mendoza back, and that was important. He uh, he hit a colossal home run this weekend that the look uh, the swing on it was was fantastic. And if you think about what he could have done with uh, you know if he'd been healthy all season and all preseason, it's pretty incredible that that kid's only a freshman. He doesn't look like one, but he's back. But, at the same time, Jackson Luke is now out with what might be the shingles um, so that's that's no bueno that is not um and uh, Dylan Busby left Sunday's game with a back injury. He's been banged up. um you know, so they they just haven't really been able to keep that lineup together, and uh you know, I think that's been a significant problem for them so far this season.
1: right. last week, I was all about the panic button with the Seminoles this week. They're getting the sad trombone because it's it's sad to see the way they've, they've struggled to this point. You look at their last two weekends, swept against North Carolina at home, lose 2 of 3 to NC State. You look at the beginning of ACC play, lost 2 of 3 at Virginia Tech in really shocking fashion, losing that, that Sunday game 17-0. It's just been strange to see them struggling, and it's really not going to get any easier for them down the stretch here you especially know. this week yeah because they're they're playing Florida on Tuesday they're playing Clemson this weekend a very hot Clemson team and then they still have to go on the road against Miami another team that of course is struggling this year but still never easy place to play
2: well and that's a it's a rivalry series right so you know so you Miami's know. gonna be ready for that
1: yeah so you never know and then they still have Virginia they still have Wake Forest and then they finish at Louisville so it's not an easy slate at all you know, they're going to need to either get healthy or just find a way to make things work with the players that they have right now. And obviously you have a lot of faith in that coaching staff and in Mike Martin, you know, having done what they've done, you know, over his tenure there. But it is kind of a precarious time for Florida State right now. So we'll see where they go. But uh, at the yeah. On the flip side of that, NC State gets
2: a much needed series win this mm-hmm. weekend. And, uh, you know, they're now tied in the ACC standings at 7-8. and eight. And you know if um, if state hadn't won that series, you know you don't want to say the season is over or anything, but the panic button definitely would have been getting pressed uh, had they had they lost that series. But instead, NC State still pretty comfortably in the middle of the pack in the ACC. Their RPI is at fifty-seven. That's not good enough right now. But uh, you know when we did our uh, projections last week, they were one of the last teams in. Or close to it. I don't remember if they were actually in the last four or not. I think they were. And um, yeah, they were in. They, I knew they were in. I, yeah. I think they're in that last four. And yeah. Um. I mean, they're trending in the right direction. Their RPI has improved. I want to say it's like eleven spots in the last week. Um. You know. So it's. They seem like they are kind of figuring some things out. They're still not in a great spot yet. They definitely still have work to do. Um. Going into this weekend's rivalry series against North Carolina, but. Uh, you know they really needed this this weekend. Um, you know I, after the game yesterday, uh, Coach Haven admitted that, um, that that you know it wasn't a true must-win series. It's hard for any series at the start of April to really be that, but you know they they really did need it. And, and for them to come out and beat Florida State uh, at home, coming off of a, a series loss at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, they've won four or five now, and I, I think they can feel pretty good about themselves here going into a, another important week.
1: Right. I mean, this is their opportunity to, to build up their RPI a little bit out of North Carolina because, like you said, it is a rivalry series. You never know in those kinds of series how emotions are, are going to impact the way teams play. So they have a chance, even if they get one win in Chapel Hill, I mean, it's it's a chance to help their RPI a little bit. And then their schedule beyond that really isn't all that difficult. One win
2: this weekend would be big for their RPI. UNC's yeah. number three in RPI. You just win one game, a road game, against a team like that, like it's going to be very beneficial to your quite, RPI.
1: Quite the road trip from Raleigh to Chapel Hill. It too. is. It is. It's yeah. so you so
2: you get the benefit of road <laughs> RPIs while sleeping in your own bed.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of nice. That's a good deal for NC State. So if they they win one this weekend, and then you know from then on, I mean they got and they've
2: done well in this series the last few years.
1: Yeah, no, no, they have. They have. They have a good you know history of success the past couple of years against their rival, and then you know from there they've got their remaining ACC series or Boston College, Virginia Tech. They've got a, a non-conference series against Delaware, and they, they've got Pittsburgh. And then really the toughest of those is Clemson. They finish with Clemson. But otherwise, it's a very manageable schedule. So I think you know their path to the NCAA regional you know, to get back into it would be, I think, to win one, at least one this weekend at UNC, and then just take care of business against these teams going forward. So we'll, we'll see how they do. But they're certainly an interesting team to watch, and obviously a team that, that we had liked in the preseason just hasn't played up to its talent level to this point.
2: No doubt. While we're in the ACC, uh, you know, we had Wake Forest and Louisville this weekend. You know
1: I always like talking about both of those teams.
2: Absolutely. So we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> Louisville coming into this uh, had won 36 straight home games. And Wake Forest, un- undaunted, Wake Forest goes in on Friday night and beats Brendan McKay 2-1. to
1: Yeah, you watch out for the Demon Deacons. I've been, Teddy knows I've been on the, the Demon Deacon train really since before the season started. And they've been proving me right so far. I've been wrong about other teams, but the Demon Deacons have been proving me right so far about them. They're a talented team. You know, they're, they're a deep team. They're a veteran club. And talking with Tom Walter, their, their head coach before the series this weekend, he was telling me, you know what, I don't think we're going to be intimidated heading to Louisville. I think just because we have guys who have been three or four year starters, I don't think that kind of thing rattles us. Anymore. And they they went on the road for a regional last year. A lot of those same guys
2: are back. That that certainly helps.
1: Yeah, certainly. And and so they go to Louisville, and you know they win the first game. Parker Dunshee their senior ace. He's pitching better and better every week. He got off to a, a slow start to start the season, but he seems to be back in a form. And then, you know, they, they won basically on a, a two-run homer by, by Gavin Sheets. And then, you know, Griffin Roberts out of the bullpen took care of the rest. And he's been very, very good this year. He's been electric, a guy with, you know, some helium heading into the draft. And then the next two days, I mean, really, it could have gone either way for, for either team. You know, you look at the, the final scores, a one run game and a two run game, and Louisville scored late in both of those games, scored two runs in the eighth in both on both days to end up winning the series. But, you know, it could have gone either way. So I think it was an impressive showing for Wake Forest and also, you know, obviously give credit to Louisville, too, for fighting off a very hot team and still coming out of that series with a series win.
2: Louisville had some uh, bigger leads there, and uh, you know Wake Forest did not roll over for them. You know they, uh-huh. they tied the game on Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, on Saturday, they they you know really pushed them in the ninth. They had the, the go ahead run on base. I'm pretty sure um, you know Lincoln Hensman really had to fight for that save. Uh, so that was what impressed me even more than beating Brendan McKay and and, and Louisville on Friday night. is just the way that Louisville or, uh, the way that Wake Forest fought back against the Louisville bullpen, um, you know, those, those final two days, I, you know, that, that Louisville bullpen is, is pretty solid. Like there, there are a lot of really good arms coming out of that bullpen. And, uh, you know, like, like Tom Walter told you, you know, they, they weren't intimidated and they weren't intimidated by the environment. You know, Louisville is a very difficult place to play. You know, they've lost now two regular season home games in the last two years. Um,
1: it's not a lot, it,
2: you know they, they get it going there at, at Jim Patterson Stadium, and um, you know Wake Forest handled handled the environment well, and uh, you know they're now, you know it, it, it's kind of impressive that they're four games back in their division because Clemson and Louisville are, have just been so incredible this season, yeah. um, you know, but they're uh, they're the fourth place team in the ACC right now, and uh, they got RPI sitting at number eleven. I mean, they're they're looking like a host
1: they're in very good shape right now you know the the thing about them is their schedule coming up they still have two more tough road trips to go on they are going to be going to Clemson in a couple of weeks and then they're they're also going to Florida State you know we'll see where Florida State is in, in that May 12th through 14th weekend but you know certainly both series are going to be difficult for them but otherwise beyond those two series they have a manageable schedule going forward and Certainly, they're in good position to host at this point if they continue to play at the level they're playing at. And I would imagine coming out of this series, even though they didn't come out with a series win, I'm sure their confidence is is very high right now, given you know the way that they fought and you know the weekend before winning a series at Miami and, and just you know really this was their their first series. You know, since the the very first weekend of the, of the, the season, a, a tournament in Houston where they've, they've struggled. So, And they really didn't even struggle. It was just they're playing the number two team in the country, and they, they played them really well. So I think they're in very good shape at this point. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be surprised to, to see them in hosting position, you know, come that time. So, you know, we talked about the teams that, that went out of the top
2: 25, uh, replacing them. We've got Oregon coming in at 22, mm-hmm. Michigan at 23, Connecticut at 25. Uh Mike, you were out there in Oregon obviously a couple weeks ago. Uh they have a 4-0 week this week. Stepped outside of Pac-12 play to to sweep Irvine. Mm-hmm. Um but the Ducks come in, they're 21 and 8. They're uh they're rolling along pretty well right now, aren't they?
1: I would say so. Yeah, you know the thing that stood out to me uh you really the last few games For them is the fact that they've scored a little bit more, you know, because when I saw them, the bats really didn't really stand out. I mean, and they're not they're not going to be an offensive juggernaut by any means. But if they can score just a few runs, they have the pitching to really carry them. And that's why they've been so good this year is because of the pitching. You know, I have a story in our next issue about their pitching coach Jason Dietrich taking over this year, the kind of impact he's made on the staff and specifically the impact he's made on David Peterson and Peterson has had just simply an incredible year. To this point, his his last six starts, he's 0.64 ERA. He hasn't walked a guy in 24 innings. I, I believe his, I haven't checked uh, after this weekend, but going into this weekend, his strikeout to walk ratio was, was tops in the nation. And you know, having a guy like that on Friday night's opening series for you, that's going to put you in, in great position every weekend. And then, you know, behind him, Matt Mercer's been very good for them this year as, as the Saturday starter, a sophomore right-hander, a guy with, with good stuff. I saw him up to 94, has four pitches, a very good changeup. So, and then, you know, Kenyon Yovan, a freshman, but he's been very good in that closers role for them, a guy with electric stuff. And I believe he still hasn't given up a run to this point. In his freshman season, hold on, he's yeah. one of the nation's yes. leaders in saves. Yeah, he's he has eleven saves. He hasn't given up a run, twenty two strikeouts, and seventeen and two thirds innings, and only two walks. And I saw those two walks. <laughs> I've I've seen those two walks. I saw his worst outing. So he's been the Lanana be- Jinks. The Lanana Jinks. So he's been he's been very good. Uh, David David Peterson, seventy seven strikeouts to four walks this year, which is that's gonna get the job done. Did you
2: see those four walks.
1: I did not. I didn't, I didn't see oh, Peterson guess, yeah, in action. I, guess, yeah. I saw Mercer. I that was, that's right. Yeah, so I didn't jinx Peterson, but and I actually talked with him on the phone before this weekend, and he still pitched well, so the Lanana jinx didn't come into play with him. But yeah, Oregon, Oregon is rolling right now. Uh, at the same time, they're playing Arizona. They're going to Arizona this upcoming weekend, so that's not going to be an easy test at all. Again, it's kind of pitching versus offense.
2: And talking about Louisville, how to, how hard they
1: are to play at home. Arizona
2: has the longest home winning streak now in the country.
1: Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough test. And you know, I I think it's it's fair to say Arizona has a, a, a decent sized edge going into that, just given their home success and given that they're a higher ranked team and, and obviously what they've done under Jay Johnson. But we'll see how Oregon responds to that, and we'll see. I'm curious just to see how their pitchers match up against a high-powered offense.
2: Absolutely, I mean that—that that is one thing that you know you're going to get with this Arizona team. There are a lot of there are a lot of moving parts and some other parts of the team, but you know they're going to go out and they're going to rake, yeah. Um, and, and you know they're really going to make your pitchers work. And you know, so it, it will be interesting to see how how Oregon handles that. Um, meanwhile. Uh, their arch rivals the Beavers continue to roll
1: they're insane man they're, Oregon State, they're, they're crazy Oregon State <laughs> ran its winning streak
2: to 23 games this week which is um, a pack it matched the Pac-12 record uh, Arizona State is the last Pac-12 team to win 23 straight games
1: back in 1988 yes um, a long time ago it's a long time
2: ago Oregon State now 12-0 in the conference uh, you know, we've said a lot of really great things about Oregon State. I I don't know how many more great things we're going to you know, we're, we're going to have. We have a whole half season left to come up with great things to say about Oregon State. I think we're going to be saying great things about them for a long time. But I like this one right now. They're already four and a half games up in the Pac-12, <laughs> and uh, you know they're five games up on Arizona. Who you figure is their uh, you know their chief competitor? Yeah, they've already swept that team, Arizona. This is the number two team in RPI, um, you know, and, and they're five game. They're sitting five games back in the Pac-12. Uh, Washington at four and a half is uh, is in second place. Um, so yeah, the Beavers continue to uh, to do some pretty great things. And, and this weekend, they were pressed. They were really pushed this week by Utah. Um, they went to sixteen innings on Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, back to back walk offs. They had to win them back to back. They did and off fashion.
2: You know, not only did they go to sixteen innings on Saturday, but you know, Utah took the lead in the top of the sixteenth. Yeah, uh, and Oregon State answered right back with two runs to, to walk off in the in the bottom of the sixteenth.
1: The the crazy thing to me, maybe the craziest part of what Oregon State has done this year to me, is that their one loss came against Ohio State.
2: Well, to beat OSU, you have to be OSU. I mean, right. that's that's they what can I only take away. they can only
1: beat themselves. But how does I wonder? Uh, the Buckeyes have, have struggled this year. They're fourteen and seventeen. They're three and six in the Big Ten. But I wonder if you know Coach Beals against the locker room before game. You know an inspirational talk. Hey, look, we're the only team that's beaten Oregon State this year. The only team. I mean, you, you know, we talk like a
2: lot of a lot of places talk about how you know they feel like they can play with anyone in the country. You know, any given day, blah blah blah. You know, stuff like that. Well, that's they did State can 100% say that they, they literally did it they did it and, and they're the only ones they are and uh you know I I don't know if Ohio State will, will be able to, to break out of this this kind of funk they're in right now uh but you know they're sitting there at 14 and 17 there's still talent on that team I'm not I you know I I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State came on here in the the second half of the season and and rallied around that that Oregon State win to you know to push up the these Big Ten standings a little bit it's
1: a big one it's a big win uh but it's certainly you know, helping that RPI yeah which is now I think 111 which tells you where it might be if they didn't have that no it's 112 excuse me but sticking in the Big Ten we bring in Michigan this week basically swapped them for, for Maryland essentially what do you make of of Michigan at, at this point what they've done this year and what why do you what was our rationale for bringing them in
2: well, you know, Michigan uh, lost that opening Big Ten series to Maryland. Um, it's their only series, law, only losing weekend of the season. Since then, or after that, they uh, after losing those first two games to the Terps, uh, they ran off a nine-game winning streak, including winning the the Sunday game there in in College Park. Um, they find that streak got broken um, yesterday when Illinois beat them, but. You know, I, I think that was very impressive, the, the way they responded to those losses. And, and they beat some pretty, pretty decent competition in there. You know, you have the one win against Maryland. Uh, you, know, you sweep Penn State. You get two wins against Illinois. They beat Notre Dame in a midweek. They beat Central Michigan in a midweek. <clears throat> They're the last team to beat Central Michigan lately. Uh, they beat Toledo. So you know, Michigan has been has been rolling along pretty well here, and they've been rolling along pretty well the whole year. I mean, they're twenty five and seven. It's uh it's been a very solid year for the Wolverines, and uh, you know they're they're going to be uh, right there in the mix at the end in the Big Ten. Um, you know, right now we we have them as as the top Big Ten team, and um, you know I I think they uh, you know between them Maryland, Nebraska, Minnesota they're all going to fight it out in there. But, yeah. you know, right now I feel pretty good about the way Michigan's playing overall. They, they can beat you with their pitching. Uh, they can beat you with their hitting. You know, Oliver Jasky, their Friday starter, didn't have a great start this week. But Michigan found a way to, to go out and, and win that game. They, they go out, they score nine runs, they fight through it. Um, you know, the next day, they I think they one-hit Illinois. Um, <clears throat> you know, so they, they can do it in multiple ways, and, and that's been important for them. And the, the fact that they are able to win in multiple ways, uh, you know, means that when you, your starter has a rough day, you know, you you still are able to to go out and get the job done. And and conversely, when the offense is struggling a little bit, you know, the the pitching staff picks them up. And you know, I think that's the just a sign of a good team. And and that's what Michigan has this year.
1: Certainly, certainly, and they were one of the teams that we had discussed coming into the season, preseason. You know, whether or not to rank them, and you know, they were probably team number 26, 27 or so.
2: I think I've officially called a And M team number twenty six coming into the season, so we can we can we can call Michigan maybe number twenty seven. twenty six is spoken for.
1: That's fair, yeah. But yeah, I mean the top of the Big Ten, those four teams that you mentioned, it is certainly going to be fun to watch. You know how those teams progress going forward, and you know it's possible. You know, can one of these teams separate themselves? I mean, Minnesota at this point has has the lead in the Big Ten. Their series against Rutgers was uh, wiped away this past weekend, but, you know, they're a team who's obviously coming off a great year. You know, won it last year, so we'll see. It will be interesting, um, you know, Rutgers wasn't able to travel to Minnesota
2: because of um, the weather uh, canceling flights, Um, so they lost all three of those games, and I've seen like some some talk of them kind of trying to see if they could make some of them up. I don't really know how that's going to be possible to... To do, um, and if it doesn't happen, and if Minnesota does have three less games, there are always cancellations in the Big Ten. That's just part of playing in the Big Ten. Uh, but you've already lost three games, just three weeks into your season, uh, your conference season here. There, there's going to be an imbalance there, and um, I would not be surprised if that, in some way, impacts, if not the Big Ten regular season title. Than like seats number two or three in the in the Big Ten tournament, um, so that's just something to watch. Uh, you know, I we'll we'll see how that plays out, but um, it gets tougher for Minnesota here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, they go to Indiana this week, uh, and Indiana's lost back to back Big Ten series, but that's still a, a pretty talented team. And then they have Nebraska at home the week following. So uh, Minnesota's sitting at six and zero in the conference. They've got a ten game winning streak. They've had this kind of awkward weekend off. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how they respond to that and, and, and how they do this week as they, uh, as they go on the road to, to Indiana. Um, the last team we brought in was UConn. And UConn is now 6-0 in the American. Speaking of undefeated teams in conference play, UConn was the last 6-0 in conference play in 1976 in the Yankee Conference. I had to look up who was in the Yankee Conference back then, <laughs> and it's a bunch of teams that that you would not, uh, well, at least I didn't. Don't really associate with uh, being on UConn's level at this point. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at teams like Boston University, which is not even Division One now, <laughs> um, and, and you know other northeastern teams. UConn has obviously you know grown immensely since then. Much, much different college uh, sports landscape in general, but. Uh the way they've started the season has been very solid. They're 19 and 10. Uh they only played their home opener this week, so only four of those games have been in stores. And and you know they're still winning these games, Mike.
1: Yeah, no, they've been on an impressive run, certainly going through the American and the the American right now as it has been really since it's inception as a conference, it's it's really a toss up. I mean, I I really don't know what to make of, of the conference right now. Or, I think we've ranked three
2: teams from the American already. And yeah. We, we talked significantly last night about a fourth.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really all up in the air right now. Uh, your guess is as good as mine as far as who's going to win it. But, they're only eight teams so, in this
2: conference to begin with. Certainly,
1: yeah. So UConn's the hot hand right now, and you know they're a legitimately talented club, especially on the pitching side. That's That's where I think they're strongest. You know Tim Kate getting him back healthy—that's really big for them. You know he's a he's a legit guy. He's a a big draft guy next year for sure. A left-hander, a guy who's filled in that ace role for Anthony Kay very well. And then behind him, they have Wills Montgomery, who's had a nice year in his own right. And it's a it's a solid pitching staff. There's some depth to it, and you know they've hit just as just enough as well. Not a super powerful offense, but they've scored just enough, obviously, to to start out undefeated in, in conference play. So. You know the fact that they've done what they've done on the road. I mean, they they've played four home games this year. So the the fact that you know going 12 and seven on the road is is quite an accomplishment. And obviously, that's just reality for you know a Northeast team. Uh, so we'll we'll see if they can we'll see if they can keep it up. I mean, they go to Tulane uh, this weekend, and Tulane's a team that is really starting to come together. It seems like after a really difficult start to the season under you know first year head coach Travis Jewett, I mean, it seems like they're really starting to put the pieces together a little bit more. And
2: they've won their first two conference series.
1: Yeah, so you know that's not going to be an easy challenge, and you know we'll see. We might be talking about another American team next week. You know, you never know, but certainly the way that they've played to this point merited a top twenty-five inclusion for UConn, and they're a talented team. So
2: no doubt, no doubt. They, uh, I mean. It's hard to argue with uh, with that six and zero right now in that conference. Uh, like you mentioned, just so so topsy turvy. You, you never know, but to, to be six and zero right now, um, you know I think the Huskies can feel uh, can feel pretty good about themselves. Certainly. You know, Mike. I think this might be the longest that we've ever gone without talking about the SEC on a Baseball America podcast. So are,
1: are you itching to talk about right, the SEC? Right, right.
2: A, a, a little bit. A little bit. Um. I think in the SEC right now, the most imp- most amazing thing going is Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker is basically the most amazing thing going in college baseball.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's pull up his stats for the week. Mississippi State, their Twitter account has tweeted it. I think like every hour on the hour. So let's let's see here. <laughs> they, it, which it's, I don't blame them for. No, it's, it's deserving. Brent it's a, a pin tweet right now for them. Understandably, it
2: should be. Brent Rooker is. Uh, He's leading the SEC Triple Crown categories. He's leading the SEC in basically everything.
1: And his last five games, uh, if you're not sitting down, go ahead and sit down. Um, you know, Maybe you know, have a fan or something to cool yourself <laughs> off. And stay hydrated as I read these stats because they're going to blow your mind. Uh, the last five games, he's 10 for 16. That's a 625 batting average. He's got one double. He could do better in the double department. Home runs. Six of those, six home runs. So that's, out of his ten hits, six of them are home runs. One of them is a double. 13 RBIs in the last five games. Five walks, three hit-by-pitches. There should probably be more walks in there, I I think, given the way he's hit. (laughs) The number of total bases, that number would be 29. His slugging percentage is, oh, that's it, 1.813. That's it, just one8 and his on-base percentage is on base percentages, 750. So add that all up, and you have a really amazing week.
2: It's uh, <laughs> it's incredible. The last couple weeks for Brent Rooker have really really been incredible. He's coming on strong, and as a result, Mississippi State is coming on strong. They're all the way up to 13 after being Kentucky, uh, two out of three. They really mashed this weekend uh, against a good Kentucky pitching staff. Um you know, we I, I knew coming into this weekend or I felt like coming into this weekend that there would be a lot of runs scored they were the top two offenses in the SEC coming into the weekend and and that t- they delivered um, you know back to back 10 to six game 10 to six wins for for the Bulldogs to to finish off that that big series win and they've now won three straight series after um, getting swept at Arkansas on opening weekend uh, really impressive job by the Bulldogs who are really beat up. You know we've we've mentioned this before, um, but you know, coach, first year head coach Andy Cannizzaro has them playing well. He's got them hitting, and they're rolling right along. And um, it was know, a
1: cool battle, of first year head coaches. This it past was
2: uh, with you know, I, I John Cohen, um, now the Mississippi State athletic director, obviously hired Andy uh, this fall, and uh, you know he'd been he'd worked with Nick Mangione, Kentucky's first year head coach. For several years, both at Kentucky and at Mississippi State, so that that must that, that's a pretty cool uh, moment for the John Cohen coaching tree, which is robust, mm-hmm. uh, considering that John Cohen, uh, you know, has yeah, he's pretty young for to have such a robust uh, coaching tree. Uh, it's not just those two guys, yeah. Uh, although I guess Gary Henderson is now no longer a head coach, but um, well, he
1: was he was part of the mix too. He was there too. It was uh, they were all there as a as a family reunion. Essentially, basically, um, but now Mississippi State is tied
2: for first place in the SEC West with Arkansas, who swept them. Uh, you know, so they're in three in three weeks, they've made up three games on the Razorbacks, and, and Auburn is now uh, also tied there, um, and with with LSU, just a game behind. LSU was the other big SEC story from the weekend for me. Um, and you can read about them, and off the bat, uh, for the second year in a row. Arkansas is unable to close out a massive lead against LSU. Last year, you might have heard about the rally possum. Uh, This year, there was no possum involved, uh, but LSU overcame a seven-run deficit um, going into the seventh inning to win 10-8 on Saturday. It was the largest road deficit that LSU had erased since 1999. And then they come back on Sunday, and freshman Eric Walker throws a, a shutout, they win two to nothing they get a really big series win uh, after dropping two series in a row uh, it was a big big weekend for the Tigers um, you know to, to stay stay with the leaders in the SEC West which now looks a lot tighter than I think we had anticipated it would be um, and, and just for them to be able to you know Maneri told me that you know for the first 14 15 innings of that series Arkansas dominated them and you know so for them to able to be able to, to come back from that, rally on Saturday, finish it off on Sunday, come back to go back to Baton Rouge and uh, you know feeling a lot better about themselves. I, I think it was very important for LSU.
1: No doubt, no doubt. I mean, they really needed it after the previous two weekends the way they struggled. So it's certainly, I mean, the SEC for me right now. You know, I don't think there's a, a single team that's really separated itself from the pack at Absolutely this moment. Absolutely not. It's it's really. It's really wide. Oh, it's really there for the taking for anyone. We're at ranking this point. seven
2: SEC teams right now. Nobody's ranked higher than LSU at nine. They're they're all jammed in between LSU right. at nine and Arkansas at nineteen. Like we, uh, I think we we think pretty highly of most of these teams, but we just aren't sure which ones yet.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really tough to read, and you know these obviously these next few weeks. Hopefully, we'll get a little more clarity in the picture but it's it's really all jumbled up right now and you know me personally i saw two sec teams go you you saw one of these
2: teams were ranking and vanderbilt who were not but they're trending towards uh them and texas a&m are kind of trending towards the rankings so what uh we've talked a lot about you know what's been wrong with vanderbilt they have these four series losses They, Mm -hmm. they lost to uic early in the season they lost to northridge early in the season what has them turning it around now?
1: Well, I think a big part of it is I think they're offensively, they had their fair share of struggles to start the year. I think they're they're finding the right guys now, the right mix for them, and, and I think their bats are just heating up in general. You know, Julian Infante was swinging it really, really well this weekend. He hit two bombs. He hit the, the eventual the winning shot in the top of the 13th in Saturday's game, and then the game before, he, he crushed one just under the scoreboard in left field, um, you know, a ball that, you know, flew for a while. Uh, it, was, it was quite the shot, so he's someone... That
2: scoreboard is not right up against no, the ball like it is in some places. It's
1: far it's far back, and it, it went out pretty quickly. So he's a guy who, you know, he's, he's really become a force in the middle of that order. Obviously, you know, everyone talks about Jaron Kendall... And, you know, he continues to, to hit, the, hit the ball well and, you know, play good defense out in center field. But, you know, I think they, they impressed me with their at-bats and their tenacity this weekend, you know, the way that they, they fought back on Saturday to, to tie up that game and, and to force it into extras. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a guy who impressed me, who's maybe not talked about a ton, is Reed Hayes, uh, a guy who, who transferred in. Uh, he hit the, the game-tying pinch-hit single on Saturday, and he had some. He came up in some key at bats, and you know he's also pitching the back end of the bullpen for them. You know, has five saves this year, so he's been an important piece for them. And you know, Will Toffey is is hidden better. He he seems to be back in his freshman year form after struggling last year. And I think too, just the pitching staff the weekend. I think they've, there's a little more solidity there now, having Patrick Raby at, be the Friday guy. And he's not a guy. He's not going to blow it by you. You know, he was. 80, 88 to ninety two, pretty much on on Friday Thursday? Thursday Thursday. I'm mixing up my days. It's all these series when uh, when the CC <laughs> rolls with uh, these Thursday Saturday. Sometimes it's hard to keep it keep it yeah. straight. So he's given them some stability moving into that Friday role, and then Kyle Wright. You know he's obviously a lot's been made this year of, of his struggles early on this year. Obviously, you know a top draft guy coming into this year, but you know he's he's gradually getting better every week. And seeing him in person this past weekend, it was it was a battle. It wasn't an easy start by any stretch. But you know, stuff wise, the stuff was still there. He was he was working in the mid nineties and touching ninety six early in the game before settling into the lower nineties. And you know, he he got hit a little bit. You know, the command at times got away from him, but you know, he gave up three runs in one inning, they were unearned because of an error, and and really, other than that, he limited the damage, he threw up zeros, and he he gave them a quality outing, and they ended up winning the game, so I think that's an encouraging sign from Kyle Wright, and I think if he keeps trending in the right direction, if he can get back to his, you know, form from last year, and, you know, show more than just flashes of dominance and be more consistently dominant, then I, I think Vanderbilt certainly is going to be a scary team, but. Yeah, you know, I was, I was impressed by what I saw from them, and they're certainly on the rise.
2: Yeah, for all the concern early in the season, which was justified, frankly, when you lose back-to-back home series to Illinois-Chicago and Cal State Northridge um, when you're Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. they're now 21-12, and 6-6 in the SEC. That's just two games off the pace in the East. Mm-hmm. The East is just as tightly compact as the West is, actually more so because um, Alabama at 2-11 is seven games off first place. Um, or they're not two and eleven. Alabama is further off first place than Tennessee is in the East. Um, counting a non-conference game here, anyway. Um, so Vanderbilt just two games off the leaders. They got a top twenty RPI. Um, you know they're they're right back in the thick of this. Yeah, and South Carolina now seen at seven and five with their. RPI of fifteen. I mean, they, they still look pretty good here, especially if they can get Tyler Johnson back here soon. Uh, been waiting for him for for a few weeks now, but if he's uh, if he's back this week, like uh, like I believe he's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that team still looks pretty good. But what is it about South Carolina now? I mean, they've lost back to back series. Obviously, it's really tough competition, Auburn mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt. But you know, what, what what's your take on that?
1: Well, I think. You I mean you kind of hit the head and nail on the head as far as Tyler Johnson I think his loss has been greatly felt and he he tweeted yesterday that he was he's cleared to play or tweeted on Saturday that he's cleared to play on Tuesday and uh, you know so that's that's big for them getting him back because you look at the bullpen outside of him and it's really there's really no one in that bullpen that you really fear as an opponent it's it's a bunch of guys I mean Josh Reagan has had a very nice career at South Carolina and he's he's a guy who can give you innings out of the pen and and pitch well but at the end of the day he's a mid-80s lefty kind of guy he's not that dominant guy and he's he's blown a couple of leads uh, over the last couple weeks and you know really you look at these back-to-back series losses that they've had against Vanderbilt and Auburn and both series they're one out away from winning a game and in both, they ended up losing in Auburn. It was a three-run pinch-hit home run against Vanderbilt. It was a pinch-hit two-out single. And even if you go back to Clemson. Right. If you go back to Clemson, it was Josh Reagan giving up the, the home run to Seth Beer. And, you know, everyone was getting on, you know, Chad Holbrook for why do you pitch to Seth Beer there. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole big thing. I, I, I didn't mind that quite so much. But, but you know, in any event... You know, I think t- getting Tyler Johnson back is certainly going to be big for them because they do need that presence in the back end of the pen. Uh, you, you made the point last night, and I agree with you, where you know he's not going to be able to pitch every game. You know, it's only, he can only make so much of an impact. They do need to find somebody behind him who they can rely on.
2: Not necessarily
1: so much for the regular season, but
2: in the postseason, right. you're going to need somebody else because my issue with South Carolina right now, I guess, is that they've been without Tyler Johnson essentially the whole season at this point and they have yet to identify anyone else that can pitch at the back end of games and you know josh reagan has been good before and maybe he'll be able to settle in with johnson behind him but you're gonna need someone to throw some high leverage innings that isn't tyler johnson if you're gonna go deep in the postseason um you know, because maybe Tyler Johnson has to start a game like he did last year in regionals. But even if he doesn't do that, I mean, you're still going to need you know, someone else back there in yeah. some key situations. And right now, South Carolina has had plenty of chances to identify someone because they've been without their closer, and they just haven't been able to find that guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one guy who, who has pitched well, Coley Bowers has pitched well for them. Um, you look at the, the raw numbers, I mean, 0.83 ERA. I got a good look at him. I've gotten a good look at him a couple times, you know. But again, he's not a guy. He's a mid '80s kind of guy, a right-hander, and I don't know. That's he's. You can have the numbers, but he's still not someone who's going to strike fear into an opposing team.
2: Well, I mean, you can make that work. You can definitely make that work in college baseball. Yeah. But the whole time, you're going to have to be really fine with your command, mm-hmm. and you know, if one day you don't have it. Uh, And you're facing better competition because we're talking about the tournament. um, You know, you got more more hitters are more likely to be able to make you pay, and um, you know, so getting Tyler Johnson back for South Carolina is big. It's also not like panic time at South Carolina by any means. Um, No, you know, like we mentioned, everything's very compact. They're still sitting on this top 15 RPI. Uh, Interestingly. No one in the SEC right now has a top 10 RPI. Kentucky is best at 14. Someone from the SEC is getting a national seed. At <laughs> least one of these teams is getting a national seed. Uh, but that, like, that was
1: maybe the toughest part of the Fuel of 64 that we worked on was trying to figure you know, out last which... Last week
2: it was easier because Florida and South Carolina both had top 10, top 8 even, RPIs. They don't have those anymore. So no. when we go to update it, um, it's going to be a little harder to, uh, to pick out which, uh, which SEC team's a national seed. But you, like one of these, like we mentioned, nobody separated themselves yet. Eventually somebody probably will, and you know, the SEC regular season champion will, in all likelihood, um, or one of these division champions at least, if not both of them, will end up with national seeds.
1: Right. Looking at, just pulling up South Carolina's schedule right now, it's not easy. It's not going to get any easier for them. You know, they play North Carolina this week in a, a midweek game at Charlotte, at the Charlotte Knights Stadium, which is a cool series that they've done over the last couple of years game they now. got
2: blown out in last year. Yeah,
1: they did. They did. But then after that, their next four SEC series gets Mississippi State. We've talked about how hot they are right now. Then they go to Florida, then Kentucky, then LSU. I mean, four top 25 SEC teams. So that's a, that's a really – I mean – any weekend in the SEC, you know, any coach will tell you this, it's going to be a tough weekend. But those four teams in particular, just the way they've played and, you know, the, the talent on those rosters, I mean, that's not an easy stretch by, you know. And to have to go on the road. Right. A little bit twa- two of those weekends, yeah. right. Going to Gainesville and then going to the box LCU. I mean, that's certainly not going to be easy for the Gamecocks. So, you know, I think i still seen them in person. Uh, you know, Clark Schmidt was dominant. He was, he was really, really good. The best I've seen him. Adam Hill was really, really good. He pitched six no-hit innings. They had to pull him in the seventh after a walk because he had 111 pitches. But otherwise, he had what,
2: like four walks at that point, hit
1: five walks. Five. That was his fifth walk. So the command wasn't great for him, but <laughs> the fastball was electric. You know, he he threw maybe of those 111 pitches, he maybe threw 10 off-speed pitches. It was, you know, 90% fastballs, and they couldn't. The Vanderbilt couldn't catch up to. It. He struck out 11 guys. So, in, the, in those six innings, it worked. So, you know, it was sneaky fast. And Will Crow didn't have his best outing uh, in the opener. He, he didn't look as sharp as I've seen him in the past. But certainly, as a guy, when he's right, he's really tough to hit. So, you know, I think South Carolina will be okay. Ultimately, it's just trying to find, you know, a bullpen arrangement that works for them.
2: I want to touch on the Big 12 here. Um, Texas got a big-time series win against Oklahoma in the uh, Red River rivalry. What's Um, with all
1: these alliterative R rivalries? Because you got the Reedy River rivalry for it's 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 it's, it's, they're hard to say. It's come on, guys, come on, (laughs) find find another name for your rivalry series. It's it's hard enough to say rivalry series. A Reedy River, Red River, like come on, this isn't you know. I,
2: I did see some people calling it the Red River Showdown. I like that better um, because potentially I, I don't know this for sure, but I know the Red River Rivalry definitely refers to football. Wait, say and that there again. Maybe a trademark situation there. I'm not entirely sure, but anyway, <laughs> we could call it the Red River Showdown. And Texas comes out uh, with a series win, a much needed series win after you know losing last weekend at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma hadn't lost a weekend all year, uh, and Texas they they go out, they win the first two games against their rivals and. You know, the Lawnhorns are a very interesting team here. They've been interesting, frankly, all season long. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's you know, David Pierce has them playing pretty well right now. Uh, in, in his first year, there's talent there. They're still trying to find themselves, I feel like, though, a little bit. You know, the Clemens brothers came up huge on Saturday with some home runs, showing some power, but it's still basically a pitching and defense team at yeah. the end of the day. And you know, when they pitch well, they win and, and they just have to find a way to to scratch out a few runs and, and maybe that the Clemens brothers can, can keep it up. Uh, you know, maybe they'll find some, some other guys to step up, but uh, this weekend was a big one for them and uh you know they're there's they're now sitting in the middle of the pack in, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, no, the
1: middle of the Big Twelve, not the middle of the pack. <laughs> Sorry this, guys, couldn't resist. <laughs> they're
2: sitting in the middle of the pack and uh you know I mean they're they're right there in the mix with this, you know they're three and a half back in back at TCU um, which has pulled away a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. you know I think Texas Tech is going to have something to say about that before it's all before it's all said and done, especially since they host the horn frogs but um you know the Longhorns are uh, they're very intriguing right now to me yeah,
1: yeah, certainly I mean, they're a team that's really you know been discussed in prior weeks as far as cracking the top 25 and we talked about them this week as well you know i think they're a big series win or two away from from crossing that line you know they are an intriguing team especially in david pierce's first year and you know they do have especially from a pitching standpoint a lot of scary guys you know they're they're a tough team and a a tough matchup to, to go against and you look at the, the big 12 in general, the number one conference as far as RPI right now and, and rightfully so because I mean you look at first of all those top five teams, you know TCU's won 12 games in a row. Texas Tech, we've, we've talked a lot about Texas Tech on this podcast. They've played very well. West Virginia is a team that you know people had talked about in the off season as maybe being sneaky good and they have been they have been good and they've got a tough matchup this weekend against TCU with TCU coming to West Virginia. And then, you know, you look at, at the bottom of the of the Big 12, and, you know, Oklahoma State is a team that, you know, still could have a run in them, potentially, you know, they're a talented team, very good coaching staff, were in Omaha a year ago, so they're certainly a team that could, you know, even though they're sitting at three and six right now, five games back, they might have a run in them. Baylor as well, they've been struggling of late, but obviously they started off really strong this year, had a really really good showing at the tournament in Houston and, you know, maybe they get it going, you know, they're, they're hosting Texas next. That's
2: a, that's a big weekend this weekend because, you know, like you said, it feels like Texas is close to cracking the top 25. So from that aspect, it's big. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas also, you know, you want to capitalize on this momentum. They're going back out on the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so it's big from that perspective from them, but for Baylor, I think they really need this one. Uh, They've lost now a few series in a row here. I think it's four. Right. Um, yeah, they've lost four series in a row. And after this, they go on the road to TCU, Kansas, and Oklahoma State for three straight series. So I don't want to call this a must-win for Baylor, but it's pretty close. And it's especially pretty close um, you know, because they're sitting on a top-10 RPI right now. And it's going to stay pretty high. They have the wins to, to keep it pretty high. But as we saw last year... Um, just because you have the RPI, if you don't have the conference standing, right, um, you know that might not be enough, and you know so it's important for Baylor not to fall too far off the off the the lead here in the Big Twelve. Um, you know most you know the, the Big Twelve they're probably going to make the tournament. They don't have quite the numbers crunch the ACC had last year that they left North Carolina out, right, but. You know, you don't want to. I, I, we don't know how many bids the Big Twelve is going to get. It's only gotten three the last two years. It's going to get more than that now, mm-hmm. but to think it's going to get more than five or six, you're asking an awful lot. So, right. you know, you've got to. I, I think Baylor really needs to to get a couple wins this weekend, um, because those next three weeks when they when they're out on the road, that that's not going to be easy for them.
1: Right. Yeah. No. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think. If you know if they do lose this series against against Texas, I think it's time to hit the panic button for them. You know, um, because yeah, I mean they they have those series on the road coming up. That's not going to be easy by any stretch. So it's the the Big Twelve is is certainly I mean it's an exciting conference this year. You know, like like I said, number one in, in conference RPI another conference where you could see it going in a few different directions obviously tcu is starting to maybe separate itself a little bit but texas tech is still right there and certainly the way oklahoma has played this year they have a chance to to creep back up in there and i'm still i'm not don't sleep on oklahoma state i'm just saying they have a they have a chance to make a run well and
2: west virginia has won its first three conference weekends they get tcu at home this weekend if they're able to to pull off a series win if they get that upset right um you know they're They'd only be a game behind TCU.
1: Right. Um, and they're another team we've talked about for the top 25 as well. Their resume
2: is so strange. Um, <laughs> I honestly thought we were going to rank them last night, and then I looked at it a little deeper, and I didn't even put them in my own top 25, and we, we did not rank them. But if they started off the season um, you know, not so hot <laughs> at all. Um, you know, They have some nice series. The series they lost... Are pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. they lost at Charlotte, they lost at Tulane, um, but they it, they also dropped a, a nice 4-0 weekend in one of Coastal's tournaments, mm-hmm. um, but and they lost at Old Dominion, but so they have these serious losses, but they also have you know a road conference win at Baylor. They went on the road and they beat Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they beat Kansas this weekend. Uh, it, it's just a very very odd resume to try and consider. And ultimately, this week we leave them out, um, but they're they're certainly right there. And if they uh, if they go out and, and win a couple games against TCU this weekend, you know I would not be surprised to to see West Virginia in the top twenty five. But more importantly for them, you know they're just trying to make it to regionals for the first time in several years, mm-hmm. and you know they're positioning themselves very well right now. They have a top twenty RPI.
1: They do, they do. So they're, they're certainly in the discussion for us, and I you know certainly. In the regional discussion as well, given what they've done so far this year, so it's going to be interesting. I, I'm planning on being out there this weekend to see them take on TCU. It's kind of a, a rare opportunity for us around you know this neck of the woods to see Texas Christian, really you know a Big Twelve series. So the
2: um, the other interesting thing about or the, the noteworthy thing about their their schedule here to come is that you know they have TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech all at home. So if they don't get it done this weekend against TCU, they can still pick up a marquee series win at home. Right. In the next few weeks, um, you know. So I I, I I think they're trending in the right direction, and I'll think that even if TCU can't, comes in and sweeps them, Ooh. or takes two out of three, or or if uh, West Virginia wins that series, you know, I, I think. You know they they are moving in the right direction. This is a big week at Maryland and then TCU. Uh, but you know all all is not going to be lost if things don't quite go their way this weekend because they have most of their tough. They they're at home most of the rest of the year. They they only have trips to K State and Texas left. So they've uh, they've got some time here to uh, to to pick up some some home cooking you know, there in, uh, in in Morgantown.
1: Well, hopefully they have some for me because I'm i'm pretty hungry
2: i uh i don't know what the morgantown delicacies are i'm not sure uh,
1: either i'll have to check out the the yelp reviews. i'll uh i'll ask i'll
2: ask uh my friend mark bowman uh we'll Mm -hmm. see uh we'll see what the west virginian native has uh has for you if
1: you're listening to this podcast and you're from west virginia or you're familiar with west virginia cuisine please tweet at me and let me know where i should eat (laughs) this weekend i would appreciate it um I'm sure I'll ask Twitter at some point, but, you know, just help a brother out and uh, let me know where to eat. You know, I think we've, uh, we've pretty well covered it here. and uh, I think we have. It was an exciting weekend
2: of college baseball.
1: It was. Um, hopefully it will be another exciting week here. Uh, no, hopefully, hopefully it is. You know, we'll have a lot of great content for you on BaseballAmerica.com coming your way. Uh, we're working on some exciting stuff. Um, yeah, Mike uh, mentioned his Jason Dietrich piece. Uh, yeah, that's coming out soon. Look, look for that. I
2: believe it's tomorrow. Um, is you know, it? I, I didn't even know. I believe that is tomorrow. Okay, uh, and if exciting. you get the magazine, it'll be it'll be right there in the magazine for you too. And don't even have to open your computer.
1: You can just oh. open the magazine.
2: Uh, we'll have more uh, Field of sixty four projections soon, and, and uh, you know all the other wonderful things that, that you have come to expect from the uh, Baseball America college coverage. Um, and then uh, this weekend, it'll be a uh, Another great weekend of college baseball, Easter weekend. So the series start a little bit earlier. Don't, you know, if you're if you're planning to go, make sure you check to see if your series starts on Thursday or Friday, because uh, you don't want to miss that first game if it if it is an early one.
1: Yeah, that would not be good. That'd be very awkward. And so. then we'll be back here on Monday, uh, with a new top twenty-five to talk about, and hopefully some Easter candy. At least for me. Are you bringing the Easter candy? I, maybe I'll bring the Easter okay. candy. I don't there know. There was a
2: there was an Easter egg hunt uh, at NC State this weekend after the the final game. I did not get any candy from that. So yeah.
1: Well, you know you know some pitchers this weekend are hoping to throw up some Easter eggs on the scoreboard. They, they probably are. So yeah, we should probably stop this before this goes at, further at, off at the, the at
2: Mike's uh, latest greatest pun. We will uh, we will thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, he's been Mike Lanana, I've been Teddy Cahill. Uh, This podcast, like all Baseball America college content, sponsored by Louisville Slugger, Power Numbers. And we'll be back next week, like I said, to talk about more college baseball and the new Top 25.
0: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter.